Hi everyone, welcome to the Bowlers Union podcast. We've got a, a great first guest tonight, Chris Wood. Uh, he's Hampshire's all-time leading T20 wicket-taker um, and he's very kindly been our guinea pig for the evening. How are you going, Chris? Are you right? Evening, guys. Yeah, very uh, welcome. To, thank you for having me on. Uh, really looking forward to getting going and be the first one on your podcast. Uh, it's nice to have a proper left armour on the pod. <laughs> Don't know about that. Uh, one of us uh, preferences these, and I'm allergic to red, and I think Keith's uh, the polar opposite. <laughs> to be fair, if Hampshire merged you two into one bowler, they would save a fortune in wages, wouldn't they? What a bowler. What a yeah, bowler. Absolutely right. Yeah, crikey. Uh, we're donating a few knees between us, though. Oh, yeah, we might make up one knee, maybe. <laughs> is, is that your is that your uh, injury of choice, then, a knee injury? Yeah, very much so, mate. I've unfortunately had five along the way. Um, uh, certainly be the last one, but it's been an interesting journey with the old knees, that's for sure. Well, I think um, well, yeah. that'll be something we'll come on to, but start off, Scott, five quick five questions, mate. It's just what you prefer. So first one is a five mile, five mile an hour of extra pace or a foot extra of bounce? Five mile extra pace. Good bounce or a good Yorker? Good Yorker. Swing or nip? Nip. Back of the hand slowly or knuckleball? Back of the hand. Over the wicket or round? Over. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I thought you would have gone extra bounce, to be fair. Actually, do you know what? At the five questions that I would have second guessed, it would have been that uh, for, really? for a few different reasons. Go on. Why? Uh, I've, uh, mainly from a conversation I had with James Vince actually quite a while ago. Um, mm. It might throw him under the bus slightly and it might put um, a few bowlers uh, on the back foot as such. But he, we talked about kind of an optimal pace in T20. And, and actually, yeah. I spoke to other people um, outside of Vincey about this and, and batsmen and their tempo and kind of that sort of optimal pace that they find comfortable facing in T20, if that makes yeah. sense. And yeah. what came out the what came out the washing machine often was, you know, people that bowled, you know, anywhere between sort of 75 and you know late 70s became quite difficult because, you know, the whole decision making process became slightly delayed. Um, yeah. And anybody in that kind of 80 to 85 tended to be, you know, not e easier to face is the wrong word, you know, but you, you, you play on reactions a lot more. Then obviously you've got the guys that bowl, the extreme pace at the top end and then that obviously challenges your you know your technique and your reaction time in a, in a different way so you know that is the one and when when i actually thought it back and you said now foot more of bounce i was thinking christ you're going to get a lot more playing playing misses with a with a lot more bounce than you are by me personally someone that bowls you know late 70s adding five mile per hour on so would you change the answer if you could uh most definitely yeah <laughs> <laughs> fair play that's interesting, that. Just quickly on that. It's, um, I remember um, Baron Chopra against Pace, loved it. But as soon as we come against um, like a Darren Stevens or a Tim Murtagh, he would be panicking. He'd be like, there's too many decisions I could make. Not that they were both that slow, but he just absolutely had to react from, from a ball, then actually have a little bit of time. Yeah, they'd probably play five shots in the head rather than one. Fast, <laughs> <laughs> no, fast. Um, I, I should have mentioned earlier, by the way, um, all the, the trophies you've won. So am I right in thinking you've won three T20 titles with Hampshire, two one-day cup titles um, since your debut in 2010? Is that right? 
Yeah, and you can you can add in if you want, but I'm happy to keep it off because it's not quite the jugular. But we've had a Division Two Championship win as well. Um, no, 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 that's, that's fair. Kind of half the games in that season, and it's it's yeah. I'd rather be sat here saying a one Div One Championship. That's for sure. Hmm. Are you well, um you've played consistently, haven't you, since your debut? Minus your injuries, you've been a pretty pretty much an ever present in the in the teams. Yeah, certainly in the T20. Um, I was quite fortunate in the sense that the year I sort of broke through in 2010, Hampshire went through a, like a slight transition. You know, as the year, I think the year before that, we had, uh, I think they went and try and side everybody under the book. And we had Simon Jones, Cabarelli, a couple of South Africans. Um, and they really went for the jugular to win the championship. And I think we ended up getting relegated at the end of 2009. So it was kind of a transition into that new year. And it was very much around, you know, let's give the youngsters a go. Um, I think, you know, the likes of Corky was still around and Mascarenas, but, and Slug, uh, Sean Irvine and Simon Katic. But around that was really, the, you know, the five academy boys that came through together, myself, Briggs, Bates, uh, Vince, Dawson, and, and you can add Hamza Riazdin to that at the time. There were sort of five or six of us that all started playing at the same time. And, you know, it was quite a, a nice mix of your know, youth and experience. And, yeah, I guess you could say, you know, when I've been fit, uh, kind of ever since, you know, I've managed to find myself on the team sheet. You bowl at the at the start of an innings and you bowl at the death and you've played for 15 years and done exceptionally well in a format where batsmen are always looking to work work you out and stuff. So we that's what we need to get, get to the root of, mate, is what you're doing has enabled you to perform so well for such a long period. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And one of us, been asked a few times along the way and I think ultimately it comes or in the early days you know it came down to one opportunity and exposure um so given the chance from a very early age to open the bowling at the death uh, and at the death but also you know the I feel like I've had this unique way of going about it in the sense that you know when I get fearful of situations um I just tend to attack them full on um, and you're always going to fail, whether you're opening the bowling or bowling a death in T20 cricket and in cricket in general. You know, actually what separates, you know, the the OK to the good, to the exceptional, you know, is how they bounce back from, you know, bad games, um, failure. Um, you know, that that voice on the shoulder that's telling you when you're running up to bowl, you know, don't miss a Yorker, don't miss a Yorker. And all of a sudden you've missed and you've gone for six and you've gone, oh, my God, what was I just doing? What was I thinking about? You know, so I think a lot of the success comes down to, you know, practice and evolving as well. I think T20 is a completely different game to when I started in 2010 to what it is now. Uh, and I think it will continue to go. And it's a case of, you know, trying to keep up and, you know, stay stay relevant in that space. And I guess another way I've been able to do that is because I had to give up four-day cricket, you know, four or five years ago to, to prolong my career, essentially, um, I've been able to put all of my practice into that, you know, one one area of the game. Yeah, well, just quickly before, before we go on to injuries, um, I asked you the other day about how you came into the game and how you did you feel confident. And you said from, from day one, becoming a professional, you were quite confident. Is that something you always had or is that something that you just realised, like, I need to have if I'm going to make it at this level? I think there's always times, I think I've always been relatively confident, you know, and there's always times throughout my career and still to this day, although they've got lesser, you know, is when you really question yourself and question your ability, you know, and I did that countless times when I was younger, you know, between that 18 and 21 period, you know, always thinking, you know, are you good enough? But 
I guess I just, you know, fronted up, uh, continued to come back, you know, and, and sometimes you've got to put on a, a brave face and go through those failures and kind of give that facade off, you know, that you are this confident, you know, and you're going to come back and you're you're going to execute next time. And that's not always the case. Um, but more often than not, the way that I found is if I, you know, faced up those fears I just talked about, you know, and showed an air of confidence, you know, and kept practicing hard and coming back, then I'd go on to be relatively successful. That's great. That's great. So talking to T20 specifically, mm -hmm. what do you prefer, the, the first six overs at the start or the death? What's your what's your favourite phase of the game? I think I've probably fluctuated uh, in different in different seasons. Uh, I'd have to say that now they're probably the death. I, I think it's it's not a dying art, you know, but it's changing. You know, when, when people bowled at the death five years ago, everyone was trying to nail a Yorker. You know, and, and I look around world cricket now and I don't see that many bowlers, you know, using the Yorker as their their go-to delivery. You know, it's all come about slur balls, deception, margin of error being bigger through bowling slur balls. And this perception, or I suppose reality as well, if you miss a Yorker by this much, right, then you're going to go for six. Um, I was very fortunate the last few years to play with Nathan Ellis. Um, and he is an incredible death bowler and, and arguably for me, you know, one of the best in the world. And I just think you can really influence games by being a good death bowler. You know, there's no better feeling than closing out a game when they need, you know, 25 off three overs and, you know, you, you, you're down to lose and all of a sudden your two death bowlers pull through. Um, and at the death, I think, oh, sorry, at the, at the start of, you know, the power play, uh, for me, it's very much, you know, based around championship cricket. And that's been my philosophy for a long time, is just hit the top of the stumps until till someone does otherwise. You know, and Dimitri Mascarenas, you know, used to say, just keep, keep hitting the top of the stumps. It's still the hardest ball to hit in cricket, especially when it moves around a little bit. Um, but for me, you know, the most rewarding part is, you know, is winning a game for the lads at the, the back end when you're up against it. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a dying art having like really good death bowlers. And if you get hold of, if you've got one, at least you know you've got a banker there. But if you've got two, like yourself and Nelly, um, Nathan Ellis, I think it's so much harder for a team at the end of an innings to get going. And that's where, obviously, people, teams pick up a lot of runs towards the end of an innings. What they hold out for sometimes, keeping, uh, just ticking over the scoreboard until those last five, six overs to really get going. Um, so, yeah, I can understand why you, it's, it's really challenging, isn't it? keeps you on your toes, keeps you thinking as well. Um, whereas at the top, you know, you've only got two men out and you are waiting for that batsman to do something. But sometimes when you've got, oh, well, you've only got two men out, it's quite hard to then execute a skill and know that you've you've nailed it and got away with it almost. With, yeah. If you bowl to your field, it, it can really help, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. Is... Um... Is the Yorker dead then, Woody? Oh, I, I don't know what you think, Keith. Because like, you, you're right, you see a lot more bowlers now. You know, they'll really mix up between slur balls, Yorkers, you know, back of a length slur balls. Whereas certainly, what, yeah, you said 2010 when you started playing. I was playing a bit more T20 then and so were you, Keith. Definitely, you were trying to bowl four or five Yorkers and over, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. So what, yeah. where's it gone? Oh, I do believe it's coming a dying art. You're seeing more and more fast bowlers now that are bowling in the power play and through the middle. 
um, it's becoming very, very niche for someone at the end. And there's some bowlers around the world now who would even bowl three at the end in a row because that's how, that's the sort of the loose ends we're at with it now. And I think it's, uh, don't get me wrong, the, the York is the hardest ball to bowl in cricket for me. You know, your margins are so small and, and often now T20 grounds, you know, people will play them with short boundaries one side, big boundaries the other. So if you've got a short side, leg side, you're hiding the ball wide. If you've got a leg side boundary that's really big, often people go and slur balls into the wicket. I think it all just comes down to that, you know, that margin of error that we're talking about. You know, you can get your slur ball wrong by a metre and potentially get away with it, but you get your slur ball wrong by a foot, you know, and um, you're going to go out the park. But for me, it's 100% still the best ball uh, to bowl at the death. Well, that's fair enough. Um, just quickly, I'd like to know, because obviously I don't play with you at all. I'm sure we've known each other for years and never literally stepped in the park at the same time. Um, what would you say your pre-game like, routine is normally? Yeah, so it's changed and evolved a little bit over the years due to various injuries. Um, in the last couple of years, I've had big, big surgeries in the winter, you know, and it, and it was all around coming back and just being able to get through a T20 season um, and that did and for me that didn't look like an, that didn't look like an awful lot of preparation um, nowhere near as much as I'd like um, and in an, an ideal scenario for me my preparation would look like have a, like a decent bowl a few days out um, and then I would need that time to recover because I, I do struggle with back-to-back days now although I can get through um, and then on the day of the game uh, optimal for me you know would be going out and bowling you know four overs at close to 100% and you know, practicing all those variations, making sure I'm on from the word go in the sense of setting the tone up front, uh, but also knowing that when I come to the back end that I've practiced those skills, you know, only hours before, you know, to start the game. Because uh, I think it's huge admiration to you, the fact that you're not able to, you're almost like the Ledley King. Of like, <laughs> of cricket. like you I'm are like literally <laughs> looked after. We need you looked after and like kind of make sure you're just ready to play almost. If you can get a bowl in a few days before, perfect. But the fact that you're not able to kind of get a good run into games as you'd like to, um, but still then perform, I think that's been an exceptional thing you've done. I think you've had a really good career of doing that. And it's not easy when you don't actually get the time to practice the way you want to. So fair play to you on, on doing that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to you guys too, you know, right? Was you... You know, you get older, you you lean on experience a lot more than you, you ever did when you were younger for, for obvious reasons. You've been there and you've lived it. And I'm sure you two are in exactly the same boat as in, you know what you need, but often it's your mental headspace when you go out to play now, you know, how much you want it, how much you want to be there, you know, going back to action and all those things, you know, you can just relive past experiences that get you through on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that's, I'd agree with that totally, mate, totally. Um I would say it's it's easier in Red Bull in that you don't have so many um, variations, perhaps, to, to bowl in a warm-up. Do you know what I mean? Whereas T20, there's a big difference, isn't there? A white ball between practising a wide Yorker, a stock ball, and a backhand slurry. There's a lot of a lot of things to kind of get feeling nice before a game. So, yeah, fair play to you, mate. Um, yeah, done a good job. Well, um, it's a Quick question. When you are not doing too well, like with letting the ball go or just not getting the areas you want to, what do you kind of try and fall back onto? So I know you just mentioned about experience, but what 
things do you like what processes will you look to go through to try and get yourself back into it yes uh, sometimes often for me when you know things aren't going so well it comes down to slight technical you know shifts um as well keith as you well know we talk about it but often i you know deliver the ball from slightly past 12 o'clock yeah and and some people have said that's why they've in the past you know found me awkward to face you know because i come past that perpendicular um but occasionally you know that can get too far um and i often lose my front side quite heavy and end up pushing the ball across the right handers um which occasionally has its you know pluses but obviously in the power play you're looking to take wickets and swing the ball back so often you know when things aren't feeling like they should be feeling, I often go back to a slight technical you know, shift and just a couple of things in my mind, you know, that I think about. Um, and often one of them for me is, you know, because I'm slightly past perpendicular, I'll, I'll be saying to myself at the end of the mark, you know, bowl the ball from two o'clock. Uh, sorry, not two o'clock, 10 o'clock. So yeah. I'm thinking to myself, get right this side behind it. And as yeah. we know, when you when you do things like that, whenever you bowl the ball, it's never as much as you thought it all was. But often it gives me, you know, closer to to the 12 o'clock kind of mark. So just little things like that. And like we just talked about, you know, experience of, you know, when it has gone well, um, because there's so many, so many bad days, but when you can draw back on good experiences and, and just keep coming back, it, it definitely helps. Um, also, obviously, you've mentioned a few times just about injuries. How have you, like, what, just so people know, what injuries have you had and how have you managed manage them for this long? Yeah, so I've had one small little meniscal clear up a couple of years ago, and then my other four surgeries have been relatively significant. I've had two microfractures in both knees. Um, it's a relatively straightforward surgery, but it's it requires a, a lot of rehab. You know, you're non-weight bearing for eight to nine weeks, a leg in a machine, eight hours a day, game ready. You know, all the things that that you've you've been aware of this winter, Keith, and previous yeah. surgeries. Um, yeah. But it's it's incredibly grueling, um, lonely, you know, space. Yeah, and I often look back, and you know, I've got no doubt that my previous experiences, you know, obviously I'm in recovery for a gambling addiction, you know, and you know some of those sleepless nights and you know not recovering properly are some of the reasons why that I might have gone on to have so many surgeries, you know. And often sometimes I look back and you know if I chose a different path and I did things that I should have been doing. Would I still be sitting here to this day, you know, playing four-day cricket um, and all those things? But, you know, often the reality is that I did go down that path, you know, and I have had those injuries. Um, I'm certainly not having any more surgeries, that's for sure. Um, You know, but I think one thing that coming back from surgery has taught me is a level of resilience as well. You know, and and one thing Jamie Cook, our S&C coach, said to me, he said he read a uh, read a book about a professional, I think it was AFL player who had like 12 surgeries. And they basically came out and said that you get one go at professional sports so do whatever you can to play it for as long as you can. Because mm. I've thought about giving up the game after my third one, you know, that nine, thought of going through nine months of rehab again just killed me, you know, inside, you know, all those lonely days on your bed with that leg in the machine, why all your, all your teammates are training or playing or improving and, you know, um, but when Jamie said that to me, like gave me the slight inspiration, you know, and, that, and that's right. Like while you're still good enough, um, why wouldn't you try and play for as long as you can at the highest level? And that's one thing that stuck with me and one thing that will stick with me, hopefully for the last few years of my career. That's that's incredible, mate. I had no idea you had quite that many, you know, serious setbacks. 
Um, in in terms of Red Bull, then, did you? I mean, clearly the decision has worked out well because you've really specialised and done incredibly well. But with the attributes that you've got, I'm sure you'd have done done brilliantly in the Red Bull format. And I know you've actually got quite a nice, tidy record, given you've not played loads of the format. Um, mm. How do you think that might have gone for you had you played a bit more? Oh, I absolutely loved playing four-day cricket. You know, there's nothing, there was not many experiences like it where you come off the field at the end of four days with your teammates, you know, and you have a beer or a soft drink or whatever you're doing and celebrate a four-day win. There's something really um, nourishing about that. And, you know, I I'd never was the greatest four-day bowler. You know, I struggled to shape it back with the Red Bull. Um, but one of my strengths, if you want to call it, was, you know, accuracy. Uh, and everybody knows for the longevity in the four-day game, whatever pace you bowl, you have to be accurate um, to be successful. You know, and that was one of my sort of super strengths, if you want to call it that. You know, I could land the ball roughly in the same area, you know, time and time again. And I didn't move the ball big. I didn't nip the ball big, but I could go at two and a half and over. And, and some of the teams for Hampshire, you know, that was fine. Um, but it just got to a stage where I was trying to still play 40 cricket with a, with a dodgy knee. And I remember it so clearly, I think it was the year before Keith joined in 2018, you know, I, I worked so hard to get back to play 40 cricket because I was desperate to play. And there's a few injuries knocking around at the start of that season. I ended up playing, I think three in a row at the start. And, you know, and to most Red Bull bowlers, that will sound like nothing because you guys churn out, you know, 14 a year. But I remember it, it was at Knott's the third one and I was just hanging. I, I could hardly run in and, I just thought to myself then, you know, is, it, is this really worth it? You know, I'm so desperate to do it, but I could be out of the game in the next 18 months if I continue to go down this route. Um, and I quickly after that made the decision. But I'd love to be sat here talking to you guys now, staying up, saying I'd still play in Red Bull cricket for sure. I loved it. Well, if you did, mate, I wouldn't have been signed. So, yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> um, just quickly on that with your injury and stuff, is it? I can't remember, I'm sure when I spoke to you about it years ago, is it the fact you don't have cartilage in your knees? Yeah, so, this, so it's quite a unique injury in the sense of the positioning of it for a start. It's kind of at the top left back side of the back back half of the knee. Um, and essentially what it is, is it becomes a hole in that part of the knee and they need to, it's called a microfracture. So essentially drill into the bone to try and get a new cartilage to grow. Um Essentially, that cartilage is never as good as the, the one that was originally there, of course. Um, but what I have found with the surgery is if you can get past it and back 18 months beyond that surgery, you know, that knee comes pretty good again. Um, it sounds, four surgery sounds a lot right, but I had the first one in 2012 and the second one in 2014. And then I've only just recently both had them done again. Uh, so they lasted sort of six, seven years. Um now, that's not to say they're going to last that long again, and I have no doubt that I won't be playing in, in five, six years. Um, but they have given me bouts of periods of time when I have been able to play and, you know, my knee's not caused me an issue. Just on to a bit more bowling, um, what variations would you say you've got, if you don't mind revealing them? Have you got a, you've got a cricket ball on you? so we can Yeah, have yeah I have. <laughs> nice, nice white one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, it was very basic for a long period of time. You know, we talked about T20 evolving. And for a long time, I essentially just had, you know, your typical off cutter for left armour. And yeah. then the leg cutter just running the hands the other way. And I, I didn't have any other slur balls around that. 
And it was only till a couple of years ago when Graham Welsh joined, both you and know, you know, know really well. And, you know, the game was evolving and there were some seriously good bowlers out there and the knuckleball came around and it started to become all about deception of pace with an upright seam rather than, you know, your off cutters or your leg cutters. Yeah. Everyone was starting to go out the back of the hand and trying to get this dip on the ball. And other people were going knuckleball, so it kind of wobbles down towards the batsman. And I thought, Christ, I've got to, I've got to keep up with the game here, otherwise I'm going to get left behind. Um, and actually, I worked on those uh, for a short period of time after a surgery. But actually, I didn't actually bowl them very often in games, um, purely because of what we talked about earlier, you know, that preparation time. I was never comfortable of um, the success rate of that delivery. Um so they're two balls that I've wanted to have in my armour for a long time. Um, and hopefully this winter, um, being fit for the first time in three winters, I'm actually going to be able to work on something and develop something new um, because it's gone of the days of, you know, just being able to run up and bowl an off-cutter. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's evolving quickly. And just on field positions, would you say, especially at the death, this morning's towards the death, would you, because there's different types of death bowlers, are you someone who will pretty much make it clearly obvious most likely what you're going to bowl, or do you a bit more mystery kind of, you may double bluff? Yeah, I've changed along the way. Um, I'm actually probably more in the camp of, you know, double bluffing, um, setting up and, and bluffing. Obviously, boundary size comes into comes into play of course but i feel like i'm probably going to change this now after i tell you this because people are going to look at this for next year but for a period of time now i found my strongest ball was you know a wide yorker yeah um and often certainly year before last i had quite a lot of success of dragging people across the crease to the offside because i was um quite successful of, of bowling those wide yorkers you know people would edge across and all of a sudden they're showing their stumps um, and I think the season before last, you know, I think I had about seven or eight bold round the legs. Um, so it's, part of it is about setting up by being predictable and yep. then not being shy of being slightly random, you know, when people move across or back away or whatever it might be. I think that's great. And I hope we, obviously down the line, I hope we can get a lot of like young cricketers who are wanting to progress, taking that on board. Um because I think there's a lot of lads who come into the game who just bowl and hope for the best. They don't yeah. really think much about it. And it comes on to the next question I wanted to ask. Sorry, right, I'm asking all the questions. No, go for it. Um, you, you, I remember I would be someone who would definitely analyse a batsman when I'm bowling against them. So like, even if sometimes you got a, I got a sense of a batsman thinking, I can just feel that they're going to jump across to the offside and try and haul me leg side. Do you get any sort of feelings like that when you're bowling or do you just wait for them to react? Uh, absolutely. You, you get inklings, right? Often, like I said, I have three people out on the offside and they're stand for that normally because they want to fill up the leg side for obvious reasons. There's only two people out and they're, they're banking on you bowling straight, but you're not. And then they've got to change. And I think that is a knack of bowling at the death. You know, I think a lot of the successful death bowlers around the world will be in their mind one step ahead like you talked about there you know you're preempting what they're going to do and i try and try and change that as late as i can so at the top of my mark i'm not thinking he's going to do this this ball but it's certainly you know subconsciously there and i tend to look for the feet as i'm running in and as i'm about to deliver if someone's going to move they tend to deliver before you jump and gather right yeah 
I think that's been one of my positives over the year. I, I can see when they're going to move last minute and I can adjust and push it wide or follow them. I think that's where you know some of my most successful spells have been, you know, when I'm really on and I'm watching the feet and watching them move and, and reacting last minute and following them or pushing it wide. I hope this I phrase this question right, but do you do you focus on a batter's strength when you're building a game plan or do you look at more what you do well and what the conditions suit? Yeah, yeah that's a great question. And I think the latter, as much as I can, I always always go to my strength first if it suits. Now occasionally you'll go and play somewhere and Nathan Nesby ball in one end and, and and my natural instinct will be to want to go wide at the death, for example. But then all of a sudden you come across a 50 yard boundary and then it's all about weighing up, you know, is your alternative ball to a long boundary going to be better than still that wide one that you can execute really well to a short boundary? You know, and often us as bowlers will then go, well, uh, percentages, right? I've got a bowl to a long boundary. And then often you bowl to a long boundary and it's not quite your strength or you're not quite so familiar doing it. And then you get hit for a couple of sixes and you'll go, why the hell have I just done that? You know, my strength is the wide Yorker. Yes, it's 50 yard boundary. But if I nail the wide Yorker, it doesn't matter how big that boundary is. They're not hitting it for four or six, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, analysts have come into the game so much, as you both know, the last two or three years. And it's weighing up, you know, batsman strengths and super strengths. Uh, but I'd always be guided to go towards my strength before theirs for sure i love that answer that's i was hoping you'd say that uh, <laughs> for sure i find sometimes um analysts can kind of put the worst case scenario in your in your mind as well and i don't think that's necessarily a great place to be when you you, you know if you I, can you remember barks um pop were pop would talk about bowling at Actually, you weren't. You weren't at Essex. Played against Warwickshire, and he was talking about bowling at Tim Ambrose and about how good he was at cutting it. Yeah. And he, without he 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 reflected on it afterwards, and all he talked about was Tim Ambrose's cut shot and about how to avoid it. But literally, yeah. then you bowled Essex it. Bowls at the time just fed his cut. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just all we had. We didn't have a nip, nip it back and hit him on the shin. We had the we had the negative kind of thing implanted in our in our heads. Um, and I find Alice can sometimes sometimes do that when they when they say things like stay off his stay out of his off his pads you know what yeah. i mean he, he's strong through long island cow and stuff like that yeah definitely yeah definitely it's a fine balance between you know making it about you and your team against worrying about the opposition too much you know that, that's mm. that's kind of my summary of it i think if we like in red ball with the analysis we get told about player strengths but i think if you're wanting to be good you have to back yourself to bowl your best ball first before you look at changing anything else um and that's why i think some younger inexperienced players can maybe think oh i'm bowling against this batsman and that fear of i can't bowl a cut as an example or i can't get too close to the pads and they just do and yeah. there's panic and they don't then default to go well just bowl my best ball they just freeze almost and lose yeah. that confidence yeah, so it's, it can be quite difficult. I think you've always got to be front foot first and back yourself with your skill. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I, I mean, it's a very gen generic question, but it's got to be asked, is is what advice you would give to a young, aspiring Chris Wood, you know, an 18-year-old bowler 
who's perhaps listening to this, if you could kind of give them, you know, a couple of bits and, and nuggets they can take forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for me is, you know, keep showing up through the bad times for a start um, because the good times you're having cricket would be some of the best experiences you've had. Uh, one thing I would say, you know, and we've evolved as a society over the last 20 years, as you boys know, and, you know, I, uh, one thing for me, for young bowlers growing up, as you know, is, is be willing to take a bit of criticism um, to, to grow. Um, I see a, a lot of young cricketers coming up now, you know, who who don't like to be told, you know, something's not good enough or you need to improve. I think it's being open um, to improving your game and, and making sure you, you're better than or training harder than the other people and your peers uh, to get to where you want to get to. Yeah, spot spot on. I mean, what from what I'm picking up in this conversation, you 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 seem open minded. You mm-hmm. seem like you reflect on your own game, and yeah. you seem quite logical. Which they're all. Um, yeah, you don't have to be extra special or talented to have those qualities, do you? Absolutely. I'm not saying you're not really talented, by no, the way. No, no. They're, they're nice attributes to have. Absolutely not, and that's why some of the most successful cricketers in the county game, you know, aren't that most appealing on the eye, uh, whether that's they've got a, an action that's not that appealing or their technique when they bat. And I think ultimately what separates, you know, the average from the good, you know, is mindset. Um, you know, this game is continues to um, change, evolve, adapt. And if you're not in that headspace, you know, to go with it, um and take on those challenges and, you know, you're going to fail. Um, so you, it's, it's a mental game uh, for skillful people. That's how I would sum it up. Yeah, no, no, completely agree. Um, I think, you know, anyone anyone that's played as long as you and got your record and won all these trophies deserves a, a lot of credit. And th- th- this information you're handing over has been spot on. Um, I think we're probably getting towards the end of our end of our chat, guys. Is there anything you've got going on? You've got a testimonial, haven't you, going this year? I have, yeah. So, which is something to look forward to, right? It's exciting. You know, Giles White gave me a call a few days before Christmas and just said the club were in a position to award me a testimonial, you know, for my service towards Hampshire. So, you know, that's starting to get underway. Uh, something I'm incredibly proud of. Um, and uh, to be honest, I have to say a massive thank you as well to my t- two of my best mates in James Vince and Liam Dawson because they're both, very worthy of you know testimonial as well and i think they both agreed that they would let me go first but due to the probability that their career might slightly go on longer than mine um so i'm incredibly grateful for that because if they did go ahead of me you know i might not have had this opportunity um so massive thanks to them and you know hampshire you know um i'm really looking forward to the year hopefully get six or seven events and make it nice and successful wish you all the best for that Woody. um you deserve it mate you've uh been an absolute stallion for Hampshire for years, mate. Literally just doing what you do. Um, I think it's well deserved, thoroughly deserved, mate. Thank you. Appreciate that. Right. Well, look, uh, I'll I'll wrap it up there. We're going to test okay. my production skills again with a, a little <laughs> bit of an outro, and uh, we'll see how we go. But um, yeah, look, we really appreciate you coming on, being the f- being our first uh, our first guest, and yeah, as far as I'm concerned, we've uh, we've got it spot on. Um, yeah, you've been top class, so. Take it easy and wish you all the best for the season ahead. Anytime. Cheers. I'll see you in the season, Whitey. Yeah, take it easy. Cheers, boys.